This episode is sponsored by Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating clean. This is Pretty Much Pop, a culture podcast, exactly as predicted in a 1949 dystopian novel by Alfred Bester. Today we're discussing Black Mirror, Charlie Brooker's British anthology TV series that began in 2011 and recently released its sixth season. This is Mark Linsenmeyer, accompanied by captured AI replicas of people that just look cool to me on the street. Introduce yourselves. I'm Al Baker, and I'm certainly not going to be what you thought I was at the beginning of the episode. My name... That was lame. Yeah, that was lame. Oh, oh, just wait. Just wait. My name is Sarah Lindbrook, and surprise, I'm a werewolf now. Mm. (laughs) Spoilers. For the record, I fucking love that episode, so I just want you to know that, like, I know you guys are going to shit on it, I love that episode. Anyway... We can fight. Anyway, my name is Lawrence Ware, and since I am black, I am uniquely situated to talk about Black Mirror. I did discover in doing a little bit of research, actually walking dog right before this, I was looking at other podcasts talking about this, and I found Charles W. Mills, world famous philosopher yeah. of, of all things mm. black, uh, who's now passed away. One of right? my Recently, mentors. One of my mentors. Yeah, yes, he passed away. Talking about the uh, episode White Bear of Black Mirror. A whole hour oh, of him yeah. talking about. Wouldn't that be better than listening to us? Switch over. No, no, no. It absolutely would not be. No. What are you doing, I, Mark? I've listened. I've listened to that episode, and I know Charles. I knew Charles very well, and I loved him dearly. He was fucking boring, dog. Like he was a boring <laughs> guy to listen to talk about stuff. So yeah, this is much better. Than All right. Well, we've got his AI. We're gonna bring him in later this episode, <laughs> and oh, I'll, I'll crank up the speed so that he's less boring. You guys wanted to do this. Time out. You said a weird reference of a book from 1940s in your intro. What the hell was that? I just looked up 1940s sci-fi authors because I thought this podcast. And you just pulled that out the air. You just pulled that out the air. This podcast might be, this is actually getting at one of my potential critiques of Black Mirror. That when, when you're talking about, yes, things go wrong with all the technology that's introduced on the show. But some of it's pretty cool. And... Not inherently messed up, you know, so somebody could have in long ago days come up with like a story very much like a Black Mirror episode saying in the future, there'll be these podcasts and look how bad they could be and give you some nightmare scenario of podcasts being used for disinformation. A random sci-fi author from the 1940s that has nothing to do with Black Mirror. And use that. Is what you, I mean, just admit it. Admit what you're doing. That's what you're doing. Yes. But that's true, though. I think so much of dystopian literature, any sort of dystopian art, sort of focuses on the bad things that technology can bring to humanity. Whereas I don't think Black Mirror necessarily does that totally. I mean, there are definitely, there are episodes that are lighter than others. And there are episodes like where even went true. Okay, okay. The simulate possible relationships that one it's pretty yeah it's definitely it's dark but it's also there's a little bit at least for me personally as a viewer i was thinking oh that is actually kind of an interesting idea that would be kind of cool and then by the end i'm thinking oh no i don't think i want that in my life talking about black mirror's relationship to technology is a really interesting place to start A criticism has often been directed at the show since it started, which is that Charlie Brooker's formula is just to point to a piece of speculative technology loosely based on something which is kind of possible now or is being worked on now and then go, ooh, isn't that bad or wouldn't that be scary or look at this horrible foreseeable consequence. And I always thought that was a reasonably fair critique of some of the formulaic elements of Charlie Brooker's storytelling. Until watching this series, when I was reminded, particularly by the second episode, I forget the title, Lock Henry, which is not about technology at all, apart from things about VHS cameras and stuff, which is interesting, like as continuing the technology theme of the show. But really, I think the core of Charlie Brooker's dystopia is always about the kind of social mores that surround technology and surround the technological advances. So in Locke Henry, for instance, he's like clearly taking aim at true crime, at the true crime obsession of our culture at the moment. The, the first one, like Joan is awful. Technological element is there, 
But it's really not the important part of the critique or the important part of the dystopia. It's the fact that this is something which our entertainment system could plausibly like churn out at some point in the near future. And it's encouraging us to think about what's shitty about our entertainment culture now, such that this isn't a ridiculous notion. What's been interesting about this latest series, which overall I didn't love nearly as much as a lot of the earlier ones, but I know Lawrence is going to disagree because of the reasons that I have for, for not, not loving it. But it did, lots of the stuff in the late, in, in the latest series seems to make that criticism of Charlie Brooker no longer valid. He's branching out very obviously from the focusing on technology alone. Yeah, he has to, doesn't he? Doesn't he have to evolve? I mean, yeah, he has to, he has to. I mean, I've been listening to, uh, I listened to a couple interviews with him and it seems like the question that he keeps getting asked is what is a black mirror episode? You know, maybe in the first four seasons, we would be able to kind of pinpoint that. But now after season six, I'm not sure that that answer is the same now. And this is part of the reason why I absolutely love Al is because he's simultaneously, he's very right here, but he's going to end up being wrong. He's right that what interests me about a Black Mirror episode is that it uses technology to say something about the human condition. That's really what the, what the show is about. It's about the human condition. It's about our foibles as humans. Now, he's increasingly moving away from technology, but he still centers the human condition as in Maisie Day or what was that last one? 76. What was, what was Demon the 76. Demon 76, oh, Demon right? Demon 76. So 79. He's that episode. Yeah, he's getting at the human condition, but he's using different ways to get there. Now, Al's going to end up being wrong because his last season series is very, very good. I do understand that I'm kind of on my own holding this position. But what really interests me is that it really examines what it means to be human. It really examines the way that that technology puts a spotlight on our humanity. So, for example, I'm thinking about like social media. So people are always the way that they are now on social media, but they just didn't have social media to magnetize it. Right. Mm -hmm. But now we see how very vain people are. We now see all these pictures of my feet at a beach and I'm just putting it on the internet because I want to put it on the internet, but really I'm trying to kind of make you jealous of my experiences. Like people have always been that way, but now we have social media that allows people to be that way. We see that. So I think the issue is that what this does is this just kind of shows us who we are while simultaneously using technology as a means to get there. And even the episode like Crocodile, which I love, it still shows us who we are it just uses technology as a means to get there. But we'll get there when we, you know, when we talk about our favorite episodes. I think you're partially right. And the reasons that you're wrong are interesting. Oh, damn it, Al. You were so close. And a lot of the earlier episodes in particular, what he was most interested in writing about was culture. And mm-hmm. I, but I think latterly in the latter series, and particularly in this one, he has moved on to trying to talk about more like fundamentally human things. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's so clearly in the last season turned into a horror writer. Like every episode except for the first, this is getting to the reasons why I prefer the earlier stories to the later ones, because the earlier ones are very solidly like satirical, speculative science fiction, very much in the kind of Doctor Who vein, even though it's a lot more adult than Doctor Whoever is. But like the, uh, the, Parker, yeah. the kind of creative framework is fairly similar. And in all the episodes of the latest season, except for Joan is Awful, which is solidly still in that, in that other genre. They all just read like horror anthology episodes to me. Beyond the Sea definitely had that. I agree on the Beyond the Sea. They're not mutually exclusive, but I think Beyond the Sea is definitely calls on technology. It's horrific. It's horrific, but it's still a sci-fi story. That's true. I thought it was interesting how many of these episodes in the last season are set in the past. You know, so many of the episodes, you know what I mean? And I wondered, I wondered why he did that. Could anyone think of a good reason why Beyond the Sea was set in the 60s? I couldn't think. I of mean, it was to have the Manson family. It's the Manson family. I, I think it's also just America's fascination with astronauts was at an all-time high at that mm-hmm. particular time. Mm-hmm. So all these things are kind of coming together, even though that is simultaneously an old episode, but it's a very futuristic episode. I think he wanted to bring in the kind of examination of American culture during the height of the space race. Also, 
post-World War II and the Manson kind of craze. Like, he wanted to bring all those things together. I don't know if that was particularly successful in doing all that, because there was a lot going on in that episode. And, like, that whole killing happened at the the beginning. It just kind of died away. Like, there was no kind of, we revisit that. So There was a big swing. And it was also, like, right at the time when, like, those American ideals were at its height. And it was right when, I think, that Manson time, those Manson murders, was when it all kind of went downhill. So it was at that apex, right? And also, he was exploring, like, what it meant to be a man during that time, too. I think that episode Mm. is very much about masculinity. I mean, I didn't think that it was necessarily a successful episode, but I thought so much about that episode afterwards. I thought far more about that episode than others during that season. And I'm surprised because I thought I was going to really love Jonah's Awful a lot more than I did. I normally don't mind in this kind of thing, given what it's supposed to be when, you know, bad things happen to the characters. And I thought the setup for Beyond the Sea, which for people that haven't seen it, it's astronauts that are able to control remotely control bodies that are in their homes and what happens to those bodies. And, you know, two people end up using the same body. And I just thought this was a fascinating concept. And I thought the sci-fi part and then how it goes so bad at the end, even though it was sort of predictable, it just made me feel like I don't enjoy this experience. <laughs> like, yeah. I love you, the it, ending. I thought the ending was great. Oh, I, that, I, I, love, I love the, love the ending also. I love the oh, ending. I did love the ending. So I'm completely with Mark. And I got that sense through. So reason I didn't enjoy so much of this last series, I got a really strong sense which I think is what Mark was getting at here, that the horrific stuff that Charlie Brooker is making us watch wasn't always worth the payoff of the insight that he was trying to deliver. So like Lock Henry episode, I think is a really good case in point because there's a lot of visuals in that which are really grotesque. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you could have told the same story with exactly the same impact without going that far all out on the visuals. And I just kind of think that Charlie Brooker likes doing that, which is fine, right? If he wants to like get a little into being a shop merchant, there's definitely worse things to be. And you could reasonably argue that that's the kind of thing that the culture needs right now. Everyone is extremely jaded for one reason or another. But I think, especially in the case of Beyond the Sea, it didn't feel like there was enough payoff for the really grotesque violence. All right. I think that... Your mileage may vary on these latter episodes. And the reason why is because Charlie Booker is clearly going into genre warfare. Right? He's clearly leaning into horror, horrific elements and things of that nature. Now, that did not bother me because as we all have established on this podcast, I love horror. Right? It does not bother me. And to be honest, it was really tame compared to like other horror films. Like, so if you want to see a really hardcore, like, serial killer horror film, like, watch that Michael Rooker horror film from the 80s where, like, they show you killing him. I mean, you show him killing people. I forgot the name. Is Michael it Henry Rooker. Porter of Portrait Henry, of a Serial Henry, Killer? Henry. I don't even have to Google, the Google it. That's the one. That's hardcore. Like, that is, that is rough. It's hard for me to watch that. Now, this was kind of tame. He's leaning into that, and we kind of saw that he was leaning into that. I mean, so this series... Right, let's just kind of cut across the field here. We have a werewolf episode. We have a serial killer and then killer robots, killer, I don't know, killer episode. We have a demon episode. Like he's really leaning into the horror stuff. So much so that the very last episode of this series was not, in fact, a black mirror episode. But if you paid attention, it was a red mirror episode. He's trying to do something different here, right? He's going in a different direction. He's also leaning into other genres as well. So he's leaning into true crime. True crime, yeah. Choose your own adventure, detective stories, noir. I mean, he's really doing playing around with the form. And I think he's playing around with the form in a way that I, I think, I wonder if he's just, he's told as much as he wants to tell with stories about technology or that feature technology. But he is doing this in a way to kind of tell the same stories about what it means to be human with these stories. So he's got his own little twist on it. So really, I'd like to talk about Charlie Brooker as just as a person for a bit, maybe shortly after this, but something I think is really important to understand about him is that he's an enormous nerd 
and he just really loves this stuff. He's a real, he's a really he big genre film nerd. And so it's, it's entirely possible that he's just now feeling comfortable enough in himself to That's just true. do exactly what he wants on his show. I think that might be part of it. And another thing that I want to hit this real fast and we can circle back to Charlie Booker. Now, that episode, Lock Henry, it's an episode that is kind of shining a light on the true crime genre, right? And the fascination that we have with watching documentaries and listening to podcasts. And here's the thing. Those are crimes that actually happen. And that cannot be overstated. What he's trying to let us know is that these things are horrific. They're bad. They're not things that you just listen to for entertainment. Like these are really, really bad things that have happened in the real world. And I think he's trying to shock us a little bit with the way that he kind of portrays these things to let us know, right? This is not just something fun. This is something we need to kind of wrestle with. And so I didn't mind that at all, right? Yes, it was not fun to watch. It wasn't fun to look at, but he's up to something there that I think is worthwhile. Now, your mileage may vary on whether or not you will actually want to watch that, but he's trying to say something about the true crime fascination, the true crime. I mean, there are whole websites dedicated to people trying to solve true crime. And he's like letting them know this is real. This is something you need to kind of wrestle with, that these are bad things that have happened in the real world. and They have real consequences. They do. And it's also like we end up consuming them. They're a product now. So now that they are something that can be bought and sold and can win awards and mm-hmm. can shine the light on other people who are making money off of this. And it's true. I mean, we end up looking at these real, very real people who died in horrible ways as kind of characters in a story. And then we see the way the episode ends. Yeah, the coda to that episode is fantastic. Yeah, That ending was so good. I don't mind the horrific nature of that just because of what he's trying to do, but I really enjoy it. Now, I will say the black girl who's in that episode, her eyebrows were like blonde. That was horrific to me. That bothered me. I couldn't get over that. Now, that was too far from me. I'm All sorry, right. guys. I think you're absolutely right, on. She was great. I thought she I was mean, great. Not about her or her eyebrows, but this is my problem, not Charlie Brooker's. The, the, the issue I had with that is that I already share his deep distaste for the true crime genre. You were the audience for that one. <laughs> I didn't deserve to have the, the message like beaten over my head quite so You're already so there. Slowly. You're already there. Yeah, yeah, I'm already there. Yeah, well, I, I wonder if there's something a little meta certainly at this point about the social commentary that yes we all know in the intelligentsia we snobby people that netflix is shallow that the true crime that all these things are shallow that the media is out for profit and sensationalism and so like you don't want to make that statement you want to just want to use that trope in your plot somehow and build something out of it it's just another building block he did bite the hand that feeds him <laughs> with Streamberry. <laughs> and isn't he making isn't Black Mirror like popular enough now that it is worth making those kind of broad points? I don't know who watches Black Mirror. Is it all people like us? But if everyone watches I don't think everybody does. No, I think everybody does. At, at least everybody in my circle does. Does it matter that in Joan is Awful, the first episode, that the use of technology you didn't read the fine print on your user <laughs> right. agreement, which reminded me of another South Park episode called Sent iPad, where you sign the Apple thing and this allows Apple to make you part of a human centipede. You know, as like, <laughs> you know, so this is almost as silly that you've given up your rights to your entire privacy. And so we can snoop on all your conversations and use that as inputs to an AI to create an instant show that is going to be so drawn from just you that you're going to recognize it. We're going to use your name. We, you know, we could change the names. We could bring it from multiple people. It's like, if the AI could do this, then the AI would not have to do this in such a way that it is persecuting. This must be a feature, not a bug, that like we want to put one person from the real world on blast because that's part of the appeal is the world loves when somebody gets piled on on Twitter and is not allowed to exist anymore and oh, so yeah. we're going to build that into this. You know, it was just, it was a pretty silly use of technology. And I wasn't sure what exactly the statement that was being made. You're right. The technology was silly. And they shouldn't have had the scene with the lawyer where the lawyer goes, yeah, they're absolutely allowed to do this because they're absolutely wouldn't have been allowed to do this. But the point is, I think exactly what you said, that what's being satirized is how everyone likes to have fun at the expense of the person who's become like the main character on the internet that day. 
but everyone becomes immediately horrified at the prospect of that person being them. And that's the way the story plays out. And it seems like that. So it's not the deepest insight, maybe, but it's a good point worth making. It's not the deepest. And he does this, I think, in other episodes too, how easily we give away our privacy. We are just so dumb sometimes. Just like getting on a podcast and talking about stuff and just putting it out in the world. Come on, who would do that? (laughs) I do think that there are real world implications. Like there are many things that have happened in the Black Mirror episodes that turn around and end up like really impacting the world, right? So I remember that one episode, the guy who he was jerking off (laughs) and someone ended up blackmailing him and had him doing all kinds of different kinds of Oh, yeah, yeah. That was right, really early episode, wasn't it? Season that was Shut Up maybe. and Dance. Shut, shut up, up and Dance, dance right. And so after that, if you remember, people started putting little things over their computer cameras to protect themselves, right? And there have been things like that. I'm even thinking about the very first episode, which was kind of crazy, and the way that something kind of happened like that in the UK about a particular like political leader having something to do with pigs or something and sex. What was it, Al? So the full story there is so interesting, especially as it relates to Black Mirror, because yes, that came out a few years later. There was a story put about that David Cameron, the then prime minister, had while at Oxford put his genitals in in the head of a dead pig back in alien Oxford dinner. And everyone was wildly speculating about that for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it turned out it wasn't true. It was a rumor that was put about by... David Cameron's political enemies inside the Conservative Party, which, if I recall correctly, they were actually the pro-Brexit wing of the party. And that was kind of the serious, the first serious political move in the lead up to Brexit. But one of the things that gave that rumor so much longevity was the very fact that there had been this Black Mirror episode. So people got to point to it and say, this is happening in real <laughs> life. Isn't that incredible? So Charlie Brooker calls Brexit, is what I'm saying. So that first episode is so divisive. People ask like... Also, not about technology. Right, it's, it's very different. If, if you want to yeah. introduce anybody to the show, you got to tell them, don't watch that as don't your first that one. one. You're all insane. That's the perfect... That's what, it's a perfect start to a TV show. What do you think show. the perfect first episode... For, if you want it, what's the perfect episode then? If you're going to introduce somebody to this series, where would you have them start? For me, it would be the entire history of you. That's the one that I kind of go to. That's my go-to for that one. I really yeah. like that episode. So I just rewatched that one. Jesse Armstrong of Succession fame yeah. wrote it. That's right. Uh, that's right. That's right. And that's right. that was one that frustrated me. I thought that the technology was so interesting. I really, of course, the cast was wonderful. In a case of a person being irrationally fixated in this one way that I did not ultimately find. It's not actually about the technology. It was the technology enabled people to torture themselves in ways that they wouldn't have been able to before, but it's ultimately about humans being irritating and fixated and you know pissing away this relationship in a way that they probably could have done even if there was no technology present. And mm-hmm. so that, it ultimately frustrated me. The one right next to it, 15 Million Merits, that's the one that I showed to my wife as the, you got to see this show. This is so amazing. This is pure dystopia, futuristic, you know, has all the, again, very tongue in cheek. It's saying, isn't the world sort of like a reality show? Aren't reality shows, you know, or these competitions, aren't, aren't they shallow? But it just uses this as an element to tell such a fun story. It did not make us watch the rest of these as a couple. In fact, she was like, this is horrible. I can't believe that you made me. <laughs> it's not a fun watch. It's but I enjoyed the horribleness of that in a way that I did not enjoy the spacemen in the recent one for whatever reason. I love Black Mirror when the ending of the lesson is all let downbeat and bleak rather than violent and instant. I think that's why I, I did like the ending of Lock Henry because the closing is you get the interminable existential horror in the eyes of the, of the main <laughs> mm-hmm. character and that's what you're left with. So I wonder if maybe a good first episode would be something that has like a really bleak ending. Like I was thinking... Be Right Back. Is Be Right Back a good... That one seems like a pretty classic Black Mirror episode. It's pretty the, bleak, too. It's pretty bleak. It's so uh, bleak, but it's so good. I can't stop thinking about that one. <laughs> well, also, 50 Million Merits stars a young Daniel Kaluuya. And, oh, and my another God, thing I know. Is that, is that mm-hmm. um, these episodes, if you go back, they have a lot of, like, a lot of talent involved. 
with these it's episodes. Crazy. Like Jesse Armstrong, Daniel Kaluuya, Dimison, you know, interest out down there. Dimison interest. Anyway, but it has a lot of people who are really big stars and they are doing little bit parts. But the one that I think that most people like really fall in love with would be like an episode like San Judas Perro. It's like universally loved. Yeah. If you want to watch something and really love it and you walk away, you know, humming 80s tunes and feeling good about America and your life, then that's the one. <laughs> that's the one you want Striking to watch. Vipers, similarly. The older romance story is always really, really good. It's I striking like the Vi- romance what? stories. Wait, 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 wait. Striking Vipers, that's not an upbeat one. That's kind of... There's another one where the two dudes fall in love with each other when they're... I mean, yeah, yeah sir, but... Not really. It's sorta. not upbeat, though. That's not upbeat. Though. Like, that's I mean, like it doesn't end in a over. super bleak way. I believe it ends, <laughs> ends such that a, an accommodation has been reached so that this relationship can continue to be pursued in the only way that it can be. Yeah. Everybody okay seems to kind of get sort of what they wanted. <laughs> I, want, I want another episode of Black Mirrors that's five years after that episode so we can see the decimation <laughs> of that life. Because they, oh. that, is, that, that arrangement is not going to hold very long. I guarantee you. I don't you. know. <laughs> I have hope for those kids. <laughs> I think my favorite, so this isn't one that I, I would suggest to watch for anyone's first one, but I think my favorite episode is White Christmas. And that brings... So, yeah, I love oh, that. That interesting. Brings, that brings together a few of the things that we've been talking about, particularly like because the technology is there, but it's not really the f- the technology isn't the focus of the story. It's the way that society responds to the technology, the way society uses the technology, I guess. And it also focuses on something else, which I think is really interesting about Charlie Brooker, which is his obsession with the way that we punish people for social transgressions. Mm-hmm. So the way society is happy, he's talking about Britain in particular here, although I'm sure these things are true in America or in certain parts of America as well, but how easily we pick up the pitchforks, I guess, as a culture and how easy we're happy to wish really dreadful punishment on people who have done horrible things, but he really loves to make explicit just how terrible the things that we wish on these people might be. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the, what's another episode. There's another episode which is all about a woman who turns out to have done a horrible thing, but she oh, like, gets eternally tormented. Black that Museum. Was museum. Black museum. Is that the Black Museum? Black Museum. You're not talking about, well, there's that one, but then I think you were talking about the, the woman in particular is the white bear. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that might be it. So we're kind of tap dancing around this. Are we going to start doing our top five? Because it seems like we're getting into specific episodes. Yeah. I, think, it's, I don't I want to steal There's very little we else can't. to do, you know, because these are so different from each other. And I think we've talked about sort of the general arc. I mean, yes, it's sort of, I like it as just the Charlie Brooker show and whatever he wants to do. Like he's a very competent writer and I would be happy for him just having this outlet. Can I talk a little bit about Charlie Brooker? Cause I want to, yeah. he's such an interesting guy because I feel extremely close to him culturally. He's like five years older than me, but he spent his entire twenties by his own admission, stoned off his mind, laying on the couch and watching TV. Wow. In his late twenties, he started writing video game reviews for a magazine called PC Gamer Magazine, which I used to subscribe to. And I used to subscribe to it because of these reviews, which I found incredibly funny, although I didn't know who was writing them at the time. Then years later, I found out it was him. And on the back of that, he started doing TV reviews for The Guardian. He had a column called Screenburn, which everybody always loved because it was incredibly acerbic. And he obviously knows entertainment backwards and forwards, so it was incredibly insightful as well. Then he had a couple of TV shows, which had like media criticism and commentary, and some of them are fantastic, really, really good like primers to how to do media criticism in general. And then he did this one-off horror TV special. The premise was a zombie virus breaks out and we look at it. We tell the story of how that plays out in the Big Brother house. There are people in a Big Brother house and meanwhile there's a zombie apocalypse going out on the outside. Called Dead Set, I believe. Dead Set, that was the one. I I saw that. I had no idea that was him. I want to watch that. I want to watch that. And that sounds very interesting. Was it good? If you like Charlie Brooker, it's incredibly interesting because you can see everything that would later turn, all the sensibilities that would later turn into Black Mirror, but it's incredibly cheaply made. So it's like, it's all out there on screen. I don't, uh, mind, it. I don't mind it at all. No, no, it's fantastic because it just, because it's like the real Charlie Brooker before he had Netflix money. And then off the back of that, he gets the first series of Black Mirror and the rest is history. But it's just so interesting to me that this is a guy, it explains a lot 
I think about the choices that he makes when he's making his TV show, because this is a guy who never thought in a million years that he would be able to make this kind of TV mm-hmm. up until his mid thirties, early forties, he'd never been anywhere near making a TV show. And then suddenly he's got, but always on the periphery he's always, he was a, a critic, right? How many critics get to go on to actually make their own TV shows? And that just makes him really interesting to me. It does not happen often. I want to talk about one of our sponsors, Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating clean with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. Green Chef is also the only meal kit that is both carbon and plastic offset. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions, as well as 100% of the plastic in every box. Plus, nearly all packaging materials are curbside recyclable in most areas in the U.S. So kickstart your clean eating routine with 80-plus weekly options featuring nutritionist and foodie-approved recipes. Choose from Green Chef's six preferences, including new calorie smart and plant-based options, plus quick and easy, Mediterranean, protein-packed, and gluten-free. Last week, I chose the Mediterranean option. For dinner one night, we had Turkish spiced chicken tacos that included lemon honey crema, slaw, and pistachios. My whole family loved it. Each meal took only 30 minutes to prepare a godsend on those days when shopping and prepping and cooking dinner can drain all the life out of me. Yep, half an hour to a nutritious and yummy dinner made at home. That's a win. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh, and with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone. I love switching between the brands, and now Pretty Much Pop listeners can enjoy both brands at a discount. Simply go to greenchef.com slash PMP50. That's PMP50. And use code PMP50 to get 50% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash PMP50. And use code PMP50 for 50% off. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Every day you decide who you're dressing up as. In your shirt, your jacket, your shoes, you're crafting a message to the world. And sometimes clothing's meaning can be surprising. Articles of Interest is a podcast about what we wear. It's a fashion podcast for people who are passionate about clothes and for people who think they don't care about clothes at all. Every other week, host Avery Truffleman reveals the wild stories hiding in your closet. Why do baby clothes have pockets? How did latex become taboo to wear? Can we actually know the labor conditions of garment factories? Is there such a thing as fashion separate from capitalism? Get articles of interest on your favorite podcast app. Now, one of the things I do find interesting is how Black Mirror moved from a British TV show and it's kind of moved into an American television show. It keeps that British sensibility. But I remember watching the first, I want to say, two seasons of Black Mirror on like a really bad website that probably gave my computer a virus because like I couldn't get it in, in the US. So I, I heard about the show from friends of mine who are over in the UK. They, oh, you got to watch it. I couldn't find it in America because this is before the days of being able to kind of get BritBox or whatever and watch stuff here in America. We had to kind of, you know, get bad streams of these episodes mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And then I don't know exactly what happened. I think it was around the time of White Christmas that it moved from being that British show to being brought over to America. And I'm interested mm-hmm. in what happened there. Like, wh- how did that happen? Why did Isn't that, that happen? just Netflix? It moved over to Netflix after season two. Yeah, Netflix picks so. up yeah. random foreign things. It was and- a BBC show. That would right. have been around the time that Netflix, that was when content was king. So ne- and Netflix right. was like, we need as many successful TV shows as possible. And they have more money than the BBC. So they brought it over. And when they brought it over on Netflix, that's when it blew up. Like it was a kind of a niche underground thing that those of us who were in the know we knew about but then when you became netflix it's like oh everybody's on on board now like everybody saw the brilliance of the tv show everybody jumped on board and now it's become this giant that it is now and people are now yearning for new episodes i think we should just keep kind of throwing out case studies so one of them on my list which i did not rewatch, was the first very american one Maybe besides John Hand being in White Christmas, which was, of course, a treat, but was Nosedive, the first one from series oh, yeah, three, I like that one which a lot. is written by, Brooke wrote the story, but Rashida Jones and Michael Schur, 
wrote the actual teleplay with Bryce Dallas Howard. And I don't want to rewatch that because I have such a good memory of how striking it was both in this idea of there's like a social media ranking, like your Yelp rating that just becomes a thing that everybody's always concerned with. And it shows right what above your head on your, I forget what the, what the mechanism was that everybody can see at all times. And so like, if you have a low rating, they just don't want to deal with you. And this, you know, and the the story of this person who just has a bad day that just ruins everything and how this being too focused on rankings in a way that completely resonates with things. You know, when I think about, you know, if we just get a few one star ratings on the podcast, like, well, okay, then I got to get 50 more people to give five stars to counterbalance that because like, <laughs> uh, it matters, you know, in terms it of this, this reputation. And I'm sure it's much worse for businesses and, you know, it's relying bad for businesses. on businesses. Also, yeah. but like, don't even get started on like Uber drivers. Like those people are obsessed about their ratings because they're concerned about, you know, the people are going to perceive them and want to ride with them or not. Like these things matter now. And I think that Black Mirror kind of saw that coming and they kind of put it right there in front. That was from 2016. That was a minute Even ago. Even before the Chinese government had the, introduced their creepy social metrics app. So great idea. Wonderful yeah. execution with good people. So emotionally affecting in the moment. That would be, I don't know if the ideal one to start with, but like, it seems a very quintessential one, but I'm not sure if I watch it again, if I would like it nearly as much. Like, I feel like a lot of these things didn't like it nearly as much watching it again, but I still liked it a great deal, but it's, I mean, it has dated, you know? And and I think the only issue is that that stuff is kind of real now, you know? And so it's kind of hard to kind of look at it in the way that you did when you first saw it. I think it's the episode that's got least of Charlie Brooker's voice in it. It's a really marked divergence from the tone of the show previously because there is, because it's a new studio and someone else is writing it and it's all, but that makes it really interesting to me. And that's my overwhelming memory of it as being, oh, this isn't like what Charlie Brooker usually writes like. But I think that episode is a really good place to start for people. And that leading into USS Callister, which was the second. That was from series. No, that was series four. And he. Brooker also characterized the first episodes of each season as crowd pleasers, which I thought oh, was, interesting. was really interesting because I was like, oh, yeah, I totally see that because USS Callister made my list of top five. That, that, that episode is perfection, in my opinion. I loved that so Star much. Star Trek, and it's everything. It's really, it's really good. It's everything. All right, it's all right got, come on, guys. Let's do our, let's do our list. Cast. All right, we're jumping all around. Let's, let's do a systematized list. Uh, who's going first? Al, Sarah, who's going first? I don't know. Um, I already started. So <laughs> Sarah's can... nervous. What's wrong with you, Sarah? Why are you nervous? I don't know, because I'm still working on it. <laughs> I better... have like eight. I, can't, I have to narrow it down. Hey, I have... Ten in front of me right now. I have uh, to do it out to It's too hard. So many of them are so good. I don't really care about what I'm leaving out my top five because there's so many other good ones. But my, but it would be White Christmas at the top. USS Callister probably second. Then National Anthem, the very first episode, I would put right up there along with uh, 15 million credits at number four. And then number five, I would say that what's the the romance story that everybody loves? Probably San Junipero. San Junipero. Yeah. That's a, it's really difficult because that's also just kind of clearly the just in terms of a piece of TV filmmaking that's an just an astonishingly good bit of yeah it's so good bit of work right I didn't put that on my list just because I like everybody else is going to put that on my list I don't feel like I need to I did the same thing yeah. can okay, we just talk, okay, talk about White Christmas for a second you know you mentioned this is your favorite one this is one I rewatched I think this is one that's clearly greater than the sum of its parts because it's really like four little stories and I only found one of them which is this short one of John Hamm, you know, I'm going to create a personal assistant for you. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to clone your mind, put it in this thing and torture that thing, this copy until it will be the ideal assistant to you, until it will get off its ass, recognize that it's not an independent being that gets to exist. And like, I just thought that was so powerful, a little thing. I don't think any of the other bits, I mean, the the very end of it, which introduces this, well, it reinforces this technology that you could just be blocked from everyone so no one could ever see you. But actually, it was actually pretty silly when I saw it in context for the second time of like, there's no way this guy would get this punishment for this. There's no way that this punishment 
would exist because somebody in this circumstance would immediately start actually murdering people. Like it would create, it would drive you so crazy. It would like you're in solitary confinement, but yet you have physical access to all these other people who now, per some of the other episodes in this show, have become depersonalized. So you'd have no problem with sticking them with a giant knife. And so like, it's not a serious social commentary. It was just like that a... That sounds sh- like a really good sequel that you've just written, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, any other thoughts on White Christmas? I thought John Hamm was distracting. I was distracted. I kept thinking, oh, that's John Hamm. And I didn't do that. Actually, no, I did that with Salma Hayek. I kept thinking, oh, that's, that's Salma Hayek. But that whole episode, I was pointing people out. But I like it when the people that they have in there, I can recognize them, but they're not like... In, in Indiana Jones movie or something. I really enjoyed Rory Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. Which one was Macaulay and Culkin? Macaulay Rory, Culkin was the... Rory Culkin. Rory was... Culkin was, it, was in... Uh, yeah, yes. he was one of it the Manson. Oh, I'm sorry. He was Charles Manson. He was the, the main Manson guy. Well, yeah. that's that's me feeling silly. I mean, all those Culkins are, sim- are similar, so it's an easy mistake. All those Culkins are He's the, the youngest They're... of the bunch, apparently. Macaulay would have been like a 45-year-old chain-smoking-looking man <laughs> instead Aww. of Rory. All right, come on, Sarah, you're up. Let's go. Five. Give me five. Let's go. I got five. I'm going to go in order, in chronological order. National Anthem. Wait a minute. <laughs> what I am I missing it. about National Anthem? What am I missing? I do not like that episode. That is my least favorite episode of all oh. these episodes. Why do you guys love that so much? I love it so much because it's both hilarious it is satire. It is ap- what I want from my sa- satire. It is, it's who cares? That's great. That's, I love it. That's what it's I want. Not great. It's not great. I'm sorry. Laura's, you're just the guy, the guy saying, I don't mind watching like graphic depictions of a serial killer. Implied bestiality for comedic effects is just way over your limit. I don't mind killing people, but don't fuck animals. Like, that's weird. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a problem with He that. did. He didn't. It was just, it was just pretend, Lawrence. But it bothered me. It made me very uncomfortable. Okay, I'm sorry. Keep going. Of course it makes you uncomfortable. That's part of the reason why I loved it so much. Which may (laughs) say a lot more about me than I wanted to. It does. It does. (laughs) It's such a pure idea. It's incredible. I was going to come to Philadelphia and hang out with you. Now I'm not coming, Sarah. Keep going. Keep going. (gasps) All right, Sarah, read the rest of your list. Yes. Okay, be right back. (laughs) I love that episode so much. I'm not going to say San Junipero because it's just implied. USS Callister. A striking vipers and metalhead. I love mm. metalhead. I can't stop thinking about metalhead it. Metalhead is awesome with the dogs. It just oh my god! I it's hmm. when I came back after because I watched I binged these episodes over the past few weeks and I can't stop thinking about it. It's just so disturbing. It's really it's good. Really, really good. And everybody. And then that so twist at it. the end. That twist at the oh, end is geez, really heartbreaking. Just yeah. like yes, absolutely. Honestly, Maxine like, Peake, who's in that, is an incredibly talented actor. She's a she's a real national treasure. She is fantastic. That episode, I it's haunting me still. So anyway, that's I that's should my probably list. rewatch that because that was one that I specifically was like, "There's nothing interesting about this one." Like the technology oh. is not interesting. Oh, no. um, I mean, it's, You're wrong so, but about I guess that, it's brother. probably good as a, a suspense horror kind of thing, but like it, it was not filled with ideas. So I just didn't, it didn't jump to the front of my mind. Like many of these others, like the USS Calister of vivid things you could do with technology. This is just robot dog has gone bad. It's a beautifully shot piece as well. It's all in black and white. There's just so much about that episode that, that is really just, it's haunting me. I can't stop. <laughs> God, those dogs. Jesus. Okay, I guess I'm going to give you my list. Number one, my number one favorite episode is Metalhead. Like, that's the number one for me. But, what? but honestly, we're agreeing about something? Shockingly, Sarah. <laughs> who, 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 who could know? <laughs> but honestly, Mark, I think you need to watch the episode again because while there's nothing like twisty or anything about the episode, the design of those dogs is really smart. Like, the way that, that a dog. Like when it dies, it like notifies other dogs to let it come here. And like, it's a really smart episode, Mark. I think you really need to watch about that because it's a minimalistic episode. Yes. It's a very straightforward episode. Yes. But it's a really good episode. It's really, really smart. Anyway, that's my number one. I'm not going to give these in any kind of order because that's my number one. But the rest of these are kind of muddled. I love Playtest. I thought that was really interesting. I loved Smithereens. 
That was a really good one for uh, me as well. No. Really enjoyed that one. I really enjoyed Black Museum, and I loved seeing Letitia Wright for the first time. That was my first time seeing her. That was a really good episode. I thought that was interesting. Now, here's the one that's going to kind of divide us. I really enjoyed Maisie Day. Um, Maisie Day was, without a doubt, my favorite episode of the new season. And I, I get that it, has a, it doesn't have anything terribly interesting to say about human nature. I just love that he went for a monster movie kind of homage and just had fun with it. I really enjoyed that episode. I thought it was well done. Zazie Beats was really, really good. I guess it was a little bit of a twist that, you know, she was a werewolf, but I just really enjoyed the episode. I thought it was fun, campy fun. It's not anything deep. It's not going to make me write a philosophical article about the nuances of all that's going on. I just thought it was a really good episode and I really enjoyed it. But those are my five. So smithereens, it sounds like, Sarah, you were disagreeing with. This is one. I don't like, I don't like any of the ones on your list. With the <laughs> hot priest. At the top. Smithereens. It's fine. It's yeah. You know what? I just found like I forgot it as soon as I finished watching it. It just kind of, it left. That thing is good. Particularly if you look at the actors who were involved in that episode. Like that, those actors are like The performances were good. Performances are really good. I really enjoyed that episode quite a bit. You just like the the horror ones. That's what we've learned. Yeah. So you like Playtest. I just rewatched Playtest because that was one of the only ones that I couldn't remember at all. Like most Mm. of these are, are very vivid, but I was just going through the episode list like, I don't know what that is. Like, so I did by the end. It's, like, it's kind okay, of it's I sort of knew what the end was. And it was okay. I should probably be clear that Dan is a good friend of mine. Dan Trachtenberg, the director of that episode. He's also a good friend of mine. So, you know. Mm. Oh, Dan Trachtenberg. So I he, know that name. He did a... He directed Prey. He directed a whole Prey, bunch of... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he directed a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and Wyatt but, Russell but really is Kurt that. Russell's son, right? He is. I'm telling you, that's a really good episode. I really enjoyed it. Now, it's a little campy as far as the special effects now. It's, a little, it's dated. I just enjoyed it. And as a gamer, as a lover of horror, it brings all that stuff together for me. I really enjoyed it. All right, Mark, what's your list? Let's go, dude. All right. I mean, it's mostly stuff we've already mentioned. Just chronologically, so 15 Million Merits, Be Right Back, White Christmas, Nosedive. And then it's sort of a three-way tie. I mean, of course, San Junipero, USS Callister, but Joan is Awful is what I actually put on there. Really? That was the one from the new season that it impressed me as like, this is what Black Mirror is supposed to be. And I already, you know, said how it's actually kind of silly, but I just thought it was fun and it did something interesting with the technology, which is kind of where I'm at for this is that it's all about Sims. And so any of the episodes that are about like, let's synthesize our relationship and run it through 15 million different iterations, like that is a good idea. I didn't rewatch that episode or, you know, the one I just mentioned from White Christmas of how do we treat sim people, the ethics of that. I find that all very interesting. That and the main, let's put something in your head that will record every single thing that goes on. Like those at least are seem to be the two technologies that stand out the most and are yeah. sort of as consistent through the show such that you want to play with aspects of them with like this new story that also plays with this aspect of this technology. I think that says something that it's a really powerful idea if you keep wanting to tell more stories about that, that it could actually be the premise for a whole show. So that technology, so much of what he seems to be saying about technology is, you know, progress sort of comes with trade-offs. Like you get Mm -hmm. something and then you also lose something. It's a weird trade. And I'm just wondering with the Access to your memories, like what's nice about that? Do we really want all of your memories, like every single one of them, able to be downloaded? (laughs) That's what makes it an effective, I guess, speculative fiction satire because we wouldn't want that because it's obviously horrific. But what it's satirizing directly, I guess, is social media, things like that. The fact that it, it is so much harder to forget things about your life now than it was previously and that is sold to us as a feature and not a bug like how many times does your phone every week say here's a photo from like five years ago sorry if it brings up a horrible memory for you i don't i'm not sophisticated enough to understand that but you know this is what you wanted so here you go or facebook memories or something like that all of that kind of stuff i'll say this is this is a regular delight in my family that my ipad just every day like it'll have a different oh remember this 
picture of our kids when they were five, or they'll just always be like, oh, I didn't completely remember that picture. And I wish from this perspective that there were more of them that I had taken even more, even though at the time it seems ridiculous. Like I'm watching this recital. Am I going to just watch it? Or am I going to have my phone there to record the recital so that I can get one-tenth of the enjoyment later, uh, you know, and share this with the person, you know, with the kid who's giving the recital? These are just perennial conflicts for us. You should reflect on how privileged you are, Mark, that the prospect of being randomly reminded of elements from your life fills you with joy and not horror. (laughs) And I was just about to say that. What about the person (laughs) got divorced and like they bring up a memory of, hey, you remember this wonderful picture of you from five years ago? And that's like a picture of you with your ex-husband or ex-wife or something like that, or a child who died or a person who's died. Like it, it can get dark really, really fast. So yes, it brings joy. It can also bring hope. The point you made about trade-offs, Sarah is absolutely right, I think. And it's not strictly about giving stuff up, but it's about unintended consequences. And I think maybe one of Charlie Brooker's persistent points is that the technology will always be used by people, and that's where it's going to fall apart. Like the bad things about human nature are the things that are problematic about people in general are the things that are going to... We're going to put our stamp on the technology more than it's going to put its stamp on us. And that's where you get the unintended consequences from. That's why that's why the social commentary has bite, because as we said right at the top, it's what's most interesting is usually not the technology at all, but the people that it's impacting. That's really true. And it's also, it can come from a nice place like our need for connection, our need to not be so isolated and lonely And that can be used in ways that are really destructive, as we already know now. But it's really interesting to see, you know, where we might be several decades, possibly technology-wise in the future, and what we think we might want from our technology at that point. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, I don't need to be able to download every single one of my memories and look at it on a television screen. But those people found that need. They found that they really wanted that, that that was something that was attractive to them, except for one of them was was not so psyched about that. Isn't that the one who had had her memory stolen, that they were that it was literally ripped out of her neck or something? Yeah, so that was but sort she of, didn't, yes, but she didn't miss it. Like she wasn't, she was fine with that. I mean, fine with not having it, presumably not yeah. fine with it being somewhere else being bought and sold and masturbated yeah. to. <laughs> In, in foreign countries, as was stated on the show. I mean, <laughs> sort of some of the point here. Well, on that note. <laughs> are we done now? Are we, we're masturbating oh, in foreign countries. <laughs> no, no. I wanted to ask about Bandersnatch. So the Choose Your Own Adventure movie. Did you guys watch that? This, again, is another really, at the time, really good example of Charlie Brooker doing the things that he loves and has a lot of affection for. I don't know if any of you guys were any of you guys playing PC video games in the nineties when full motion video games were a thing. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Lawrence, oh, yeah. you must have. There was. I'm sure we played a couple of the same ones. There was gloriously like gross B movie one about a, <laughs> a, a serial killer in a sorority sleepover, and I forgot the name of it, but it was really bad. But it was really fun. Yeah, I remember that one. So. That's the kind of thing he's directly, he's, he's on record as talking about how much he loves those games. And it's obviously a direct reference, but it was so, it was more interesting than it was good. It was more interesting and fun than it was good. I think Bandersnatch. That's probably a great summation of the series. More interesting. Uh, and fun. I don't know if that's true, Mark. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Anyway, <laughs> but I did love his use of technology. In that episode where, you know, you got to choose. Like, that's that was a thing that I remember Netflix was kind of playing around with at the time. Mm-hmm. About how to change episodes and all that kind of stuff. And they, they still drop things every now and then. Like, I remember I it was They a, did, like, a Kimmy Schmidt yeah, uh, so. episode. And, and it was also was like- a Man versus Wild or something like that episode. They kind of played with that as well. So, I enjoyed that. But that is an episode that is more interesting than good. Yes, Mark, you're right about that. However... I would say that Black Mirror, more often than not, is really, really good. And even the bad episodes are at least interesting. Did you find yourself being more drawn into the story because you were clicking on choices 
for that? Or did you find like, oh no, this isn't what television is. I want to be sitting back with bowl of popcorn and just watch. I had the same problem that I often have with narrative video games that are gamified, which is that I found myself caring too much about wanting the good ending, which is a part of what an idea that he plays with. That is very true. Yeah, I did the same. I didn't enjoy the story as much as I I probably could have because I was too caught up in making the right decisions. Are we going to have a choose your own adventure novel episode in the future? We should. I mean, I, oh my I, God, we should absolutely I devoured talk. those books. We should talk about different kinds of interactive storytelling. <laughs> yeah, that would be really interesting. I think that's a thing we could address in the after talk. Okay. Hey. That sounds good idea. And yes. Give your final thoughts. I was going to comment on what Sarah just asked. Like, that was an episode where I was not immersed in the story because I was so busy thinking about like the consequences of the choices that I was making. But it's the same way that I felt when I was younger and I was reading those Choose Your Own Adventure books. Like I was never really immersed in the story. I was always trying to perceive what would be the right decision to make. So no, I, I was not as immersed in that one. That's the reason why I think that one was not overly successful. But to put a cap on this conversation, I love Black Mirror. Like I love it. Like unabashedly. Even the episodes that I don't love, I really find interesting. And so therefore I like it. To show that simultaneously does the genre thing that I, that I want, that I love. But also it has this kind of philosophical kind of overlay, which is interesting to me. And it kind of makes me happy every single episode that I watch. Even though while I'm happy, the episode also makes me very sad. So I don't know what this says about me, but I really enjoy Black Mirror. One of my favorite um, series really of all time. It's really, really good for me. I think I've said that I really like it conceptually. I really like a lot of these actors. I think the tone is wonderful in so many of these episodes. I've been trying to interrogate myself. Am I overrating this show? You know, if I actually, Al, you mentioned that horror dead set. I didn't think that was a particularly standout thing. I didn't know that it had anything to do with Charlie Brooker. Whereas some other things, you know, I feel like if I run into anything by this person, oh yeah, the Jesse Armstrong thing. Like if I run into even like Peep Show, you know, is just an outstanding show, even though it was very low budget and stuff. I feel like maybe Brooker is not just as a writer of dialogue and realistic, like the very meat and potatoes, put all the fancy ideas aside, put all the high budget casting aside. Like, would you want him to write a sitcom? I'm not convinced that he's that great a writer in that sense, that he could use some help that having... Michael Schur and Rashida Jones help with the one episode. Having a Jesse Armstrong pitching in is, is a good thing for him because everybody has their weaknesses. But, you know, overall, I'm so glad it exists and I will watch it immediately whenever more comes out. So what else is there to say? I think that's a really good point. There isn't really a distinctive Charlie Brooker way of like writing dialogue, but there definitely is a distinctive Brooker tone and there are distinctive Brooker ideas. I think that's really, that's really well observed. But I will always appreciate the tone. I will also always appreciate the swings that he takes. Sometimes you can drive a truck through some of the plot holes, but I don't think that that's really, plot isn't really what he's about necessarily. He's definitely more about these these sort of bigger ideas, poking the bear in a lot of ways. He's he's trying to comment on a larger society. And that's something that I will always be here for. I will absolutely, I'll be first up next, the next time the season comes out in what, three or four or five years, <laughs> I will definitely be watching, watching those episodes. I, I love this show. It's not perfect. And, and maybe that's part of the reason why I, I love it so much. And what a great way to make TV is like at yeah. the whim of the creator. If they don't have anything to say, they don't have to say it. Have a season come out later. It doesn't have to be 24 episodes. It doesn't have to fit everything into a particular time slot. Oh, if it's longer than 24 minutes. I just think overall, this is a great thing. And then anthology series, like anthology series are brilliant. I wish there were like four times as many of them. I would love to see him collaborate with like a Donald Glover. I would love to see what they would make because I think Donald Glover could do. He, they have very similar sensibilities. Uh, in some ways. Yeah. In some ways, especially and even tonally, some ways they have some similarities there. I would love to see them collaborate on something. Maybe another choose your an adventure movie. And I will say this, Mark, real fast. I want my television creators to not feel pressure to say something before they're ready to say it. I want them 
to go in the lab and cook it and get it right. And even though these episodes are not all perfect, I don't want them all to be perfect. Give me one or two really good episodes of series and I'm good. And the rest of them, I can take or leave. But but honestly, I think the pressure of having to come up with new episodes every year, that really strains the creative. It's really hard. You know, as a person who, who is a creative who writes, it's really hard to constantly be on go and all, constantly come up with good ideas. Very rarely do people figure that out. It's oftentimes the guys who are able to kind of bring in and be a little bit more collaborative. That's the times when those shows kind of work. But this one, I'm happy with Charlie Booger. T- take a year, take two years. Don't take three. That's too long. But take a couple of years and get it right. And let's let's make good series and not you know, feel the pressure to make a series before you're ready to make it. Like, And he's kind of earned that. Like, He has now the ability to kind of take his time, make the show that he wants to make. And if he wants to play around with horror more, play around with horror more. If he wants to go back to technology, do that. But ultimately, make the show that you want to make. And I'm willing to wait here until you make it. That's how you get a show. You show like this where even, even the episodes that aren't great, are all still worth having made. They're all worth watching, and there's not a single episode of Black Mirror where you think, well, why did you bother doing that? There's always there's always much something. like the episodes of this podcast. So let's get into our po- Even oh, when Lord, we're down. That is terrible. That is terrible. <laughs> all right, let's wrap much this up. Much like Mark's segues. The, the post game. I hope this podcast is better than that. I mean, I, I think we do good shit here. What's going on? I don't do mediocre things. Listen to the episodes you're not on. Let's let's see. Let's see what you think. <laughs> That's going to be the challenge. Those are It's going to be the right. challenge. Those are, for, uh, those are no, I'm always happy to talk to you guys. Thanks, folks, for listening. Uh, if you want to support, we really need more support. Uh, you know what? We need more ratings and reviews on the iTunes store. Go to the actual, not even if you're listening to this on the, the Partially Examined Life feed, go to the Pretty Much Pop page. Leave a nice five-star thing. Help us out. Uh, Help us yeah, out. Yes. And if you really like us, then yes, go to patreon.com slash pretty much pop and you'll get to hear the after talk that we're, at least most of us, I guess, are about to record right now. See ya. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Get more Pretty Much Pop at prettymuchpop.com. Get bonus content for every episode at patreon.com slash pretty much pop. Pretty Much Pop is part of the Partially Examined Life Podcast Network, and it's also presented by OpenCulture.com.